Hello! Hello and welcome to episode 60 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch Podcast. This is a podcast, of course, where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. Now, if you're a returning listener, I'd like to say welcome back. And if you're new around here, I'm your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM. And you can find me on all socials at that address. So why not give me a follow? Reach out to me over on Twitter. Um, I'd love to interact with you. You know, questions, comments, topics, concerns, anything you'd like me to talk about on the show, Overwatch related or just video gaming in general. Um, reach out to me, DM me, tweet at me, whatever you want, and I'll be sure to take a look. Now, you can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, all that fun stuff. And, of course, if you can't get enough of me, this is a bi-weekly podcast, given we are in the Overwatch League's off-season and Overwatch 2 is nowhere in sight right now, so there's not enough... Uh, not quite enough content to fill an episode every week, but you can, of course, catch me over on the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, your source for everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant in the Overwatch League. And Ready, Set, Pwn is, of course, available on all podcast services out there as well. So this week, we've got just a few news stories to get through, um, two uh, that are pretty damn significant. Um and, uh, well, we'll get to them. Um, other than that, we're going to talk a little bit of Overwatch League. We're going to talk a little bit about what is going on in Overwatch. And, of course, we will look at all of the uh, latest moves in the Overwatch League. So, without further ado, let's dive on in. Come get your armor! So, the first story we're going to talk about this week comes from DottieSports.com, written by Max Michelli over on November 10th. And it reads, when does Overwatch's New Blood Challenge end? Following the recent name change of Overwatch's pistol-wielding cowboy, Blizzard Entertainment announced a fresh event to celebrate Cole Cassidy. Complete with a new epic quality Sandstorm skin, among other cosmetics, the New Blood Challenge started this week giving players a chance to get some new in-game swag for Cassidy. By playing 27 games, players can earn the Sandstorm skin, a new player icon, and a new spray. Cassidy's New Blood Challenge will last until November 23rd. This gives players two full weeks to play as many games as possible to earn their skin. Keep in mind that winning a game counts as two games played just or instead of just one. Additionally, over the course of the event, players who connect their Battle.net and Twitch accounts can watch certain streamers play Overwatch to earn a total of six sprays that feature Cassidy, Farah, and Ana. Every two hours of viewership on Twitch earns players a new tier of sprays. Players can earn all six sprays by watching for six hours. So, of course, unlock new sprays comes in with two hours watched, you earn the back-to-back spray. Two or more, uh, sorry, two more hours, and you earn the talent spotted and cute bike sprays. And, of course, watch a final two hours, and you get the determined hat tip and tea break sprays. So, obviously, uh, this is the content we are used to getting at this point, given the Overwatch team has mostly shifted to Overwatch 2, and we don't really get much in way of Overwatch 1. Um, kind of a cool skin for for good old Cole Cassidy there. Uh, celebrates, obviously, the name change, as well as the uh, recent lore, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, lore drop that they've started. Um, a series of comics, of course, that sort of gives some of the background to Cassidy and uh, what's gone on with him. Um, I'm, I've actually enjoyed the first issue of the comic. I believe it's a five-parter and they've only released the first part. So go check that out. Um, if you're interested in the lore side of Overwatch, 
Uh, already we've seen Cassidy as well as a another important member of Overwatch come back um, and be featured in that comic. I won't spoil it, just in case you do want to go in blind. Um, and uh, in the next issue, they're already teasing at least one more character that everyone will be familiar with. So, anyways, it's a, it's a fine event, I suppose. Ultimately, no, you know, it's a new skin and some sprays. Uh, nothing else to really say about it, unfortunately. Not, uh, you know, nothing, nothing too groundbreaking. Like I say, this is what we're used to when it comes to Overwatch content. So, get it if you want to. Um, I honestly, I haven't been feeling Overwatch much lately, so I just haven't been playing. Uh, I probably will... Eh. I'm hesitant to say I'll miss out on this skin, but it's not the top priority for me. So I digress. That's our first news story. Now, let's move on to our next story, also on .esports.com. This time, an article written by Scott Robertson on November 10th as well, which reads, Sean Miller named new head of Overwatch League, John Spector, steps back from VP role. The Overwatch League is set to enter a monumental fifth season, and the leadership roles are getting a shakeup. Senior Business Operations Manager Sean Miller will take on the head role in the Overwatch League for 2022. VP John Spector is stepping back from the Overwatch League specifically, taking on the commercial leader position for Overwatch. In his announcement tweet, Miller expressed his hopes to make, quote, the 2022 season on, square brackets, Overwatch 2, the most epic one yet. Prior to stepping back, Spector announced in September as Overwatch Esports VP, uh, that the 2022 Owl season would begin in April, and several league sources confirmed to .esports.com that the season would begin, quote, on an early build of Overwatch 2. Spectre joined Blizzard in 2017 as director for the Overwatch League and took on the vice president role at the beginning of 2020. Earlier this year, Miller sat down with .esports.com to discuss the at-the-time upcoming 2021 season, which also started in April. During that interview, he discussed the potential for Western players to travel to Hawaii to play against Eastern teams in case teams couldn't play offline, which ended up happening for the 2021 OWL playoffs. We're now in the middle of the OWL offseason, with almost two months to go until the January 3rd, 2022 deadline for all teams to have a minimum of five players signed to long-term contracts. Now, I'm also going to go back and read the embedded tweet there from the Overwatch League, which reads, of course, on November 10th, this was the official announcement, Big news today from the Overwatch League team. We're excited to welcome Sean Miller back as he rejoins a team preparing for an exciting 2022 season. Sean brings a passion for the league and the franchise and is ready to lead the team as we press go on a season that will run entirely on an early build of Overwatch 2's new PvP competitive mode. We're also thrilled to announce that Matt Morello will take an expanded role within the OWL community, further engaging with fans and viewers. So obviously that tweet gives maybe a modicum more, uh, I don't know, peek behind the scenes or something like that. Um, they didn't mention in the article the part about Matt Morello there. Of course, Mr. X, we all know him as a uh, uh, commentator on, in the Overwatch League and a bit of a personality around the Overwatch League. Um, so he is, of course seemingly going to be taking on a more active role in the league. Who knows what that really truly means, but hopefully uh, he is able to do big things given how involved with the league he is um, and involved in the scene he is. You know, he's definitely one of the uh, more forward-facing uh, voices in the Overwatch League, along with most of the casters and hosts, but ultimately it's nice to see someone sort of from the community working their way uh, up through the Overwatch League and becoming more of a, a central voice there. And hopefully he can serve us all well in the community. Now, of course, the other side of that is the news that John Spector will be 
parting ways with the Overwatch League, of course, still involved with Overwatch, but moving on from the VP of the League role. And then Sean Miller stepping in uh, to take on the, I'm not even sure, what was his actual title? I don't think they mentioned there. Uh, head of Overwatch League, there you go. Um, so Sean, from what I have heard, will be a, a pretty good choice in this role. Um, it sounds a lot like he uh, he had a lot to do behind the scenes. Um, he was already very involved with the Overwatch League and has been for a while. Um, I believe it was actually uh, uh, Matt Morello, Matt Mr. X, talking on the most ep- recent episode of Plat Chat about the fact that uh, that Sean has been involved uh, behind the scenes for quite a while. So hopefully he will do a great job. Now, of course, the sad news is that John Spector is stepping back um, or stepping into a new role. The good news is hopefully his experience, his oversight, his passion for the Overwatch uh, franchise as a whole will turn into many new things. Um, one thing that they also speculated on in Plat Chat's most recent episode was that maybe he'll now be the one negotiating deals to get a Netflix show and things like that. Uh, of course, in the similar vein as Riot's Arcane, which of course is a League of Legends uh, show that just recently released on Netflix. I personally would be a huge fan of that. Um, as you know, I've been pushing for a long time that Overwatch n- really needs to celebrate all that it has going and bring all these other th- aspects into play. You know, they've obviously got all the toy deals and the marketing deals with, uh, with with retail stores and Funko Pops and things like that. But I would love to see them really celebrate the brand and the IP as a whole a lot more and really embrace what they have going, what they have with the community, and just build it out in all directions. You know, ultimately, I'm, I'm kind of like, they've got a lot of great storytellers. They've got a lot of great story built into this already. Um, do the Marvel approach and just start firing on all cylinders you know go crazy with the netflix shows uh work your way up to a movie i i don't know um make the 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 bigger merchandising deals i know they had they had some overwatch lego and things like that um that came out maybe a year ago maybe two years ago now um and and things where they kind of partnered strategically with these brands and these these other companies but i don't think we really saw much success in that in those avenues because i think at the time uh, Overwatch was in a lot of ways already kind of past its prime. Um, you know, you really want these things ready sort of, not necessarily from day one, but earlier on to, you know, uh, really invigorate some, some good faith and, and I don't know, some passion in the scene. You know, any, almost any Blizzard game at this, at this point has sort of an immediate fan base because people are so passionate about Blizzard as a whole. So really, if you, you know, if you market that and you take advantage of that properly, you could have something groundbreaking, um, you know, just like what Riot has with League of Legends, um, what Fortnite has grown into, even what something like Angry Birds became, if you, if you want to rewind the clock a little bit more. So, Anyways, I digress. Hopefully John has a, a hand in those kind of things and really, really helps to grow the brand, grow the franchise, and change things into, uh, uh, bring forth the potential that we all know Overwatch has, if you will. Now, before I move on, I do want to apologize for the audio for the last couple of minutes there. Uh, there was, you know, some running water and uh, you could hear it on my mic, so sorry about that. But uh, anyways, let's, let's move on. Uh, our next news story is actually going to take us over to Polygon, uh, polygon.com. However, this article is 
uh, original or the the contents that are talked about here was actually reported by the Wall Street Journal. Kristen Grind, Ben Fritz, and Sarah E. e. Needleman. Um, however, the Wall Street Journal is behind a paywall, so I can't use the original source. So I'm going to read a little bit of this article, but I'm also going to highly, highly encourage everyone out there to go and seek out this article and give it the read give it the click that it deserves because it's uh very well written and i mean i picked this article from polygon because i like the way they sort of uh, talked about everything i'm also not going to read the entire article because it is quite lengthy and they do a better job uh explaining everything than i ever could um and and you know i, I don't want to do it a disservice by reading the entire thing so uh, especially given the subject matter. So I'm going to read this. It'll tie into the article right after that, which is also on Polygon, but I'll mention that when I switch over. Um, and then we'll talk about it. So the first article starts, Activision's Kodak knew of rape allegations kept them quiet, new report says. Activision disputes Wall Street Journal report as, quote, a misleading view of our CEO. This is an article but written by Owen S. Good on November 16th. That's today as of recording over on Polygon.com. A Wall Street Journal report on Tuesday said that despite what he told Activision Blizzard's board of directors, Chief Executive Bobby Kotick did know of allegations of employee sexual misconduct throughout the company, including a rape allegation one former Sledgehammer Games employee made against a co-worker. Kotick, says the journal, cut his own salary and promised zero-tolerance changes to Activision's harassment policy after the newspaper asked questions regarding the sledgehammer rape allegation last month. Tuesday's report depicts Kotick, Activision's boss for the past 25 years, as minimizing the problem to his board, if not outright hiding his full knowledge of it from them. The journal's report also mentions an incident at Treyarch in which the Call of Duty uh, studio's co-lead was accused of sexual harassment, and that Kotick intervened to limit disciplinary measures meted out against the accused employee, Dan Bunting. Activision responded to the journal with a written statement saying Kotick could not, quote, reasonably be expected to have been updated on all personnel issues, end quote. A statement from Activision's board said Kotick had kept them, quote, informed at all times with respect to the status of regulatory matters, end quote, and denied that Kotick minimized the scope of the problem or said it was limited to Blizzard Entertainment's workplace environment. But the journal's lengthy report documented with internal memos and emails at least casts Kotick response since Activision was sued by California regulators in July as negligent and focused on damage control rather than acknowledging or cleaning up the toxic workplace culture. After news of the allegations broke, Activision was hit with a shareholder lawsuit alleging that Kotick's negligent management as well as several allegedly false statements to investors that omitted mention of the sexual harassment charges tanked the company's share price. The allegations regarding Sledgehammer Games also extend the scope of the problem at Activision, which publicly had been thought to be contained to Blizzard Entertainment, the makers of Warcraft, Diablo, and Overwatch franchises. Sledgehammer Games is a Call of Duty studio and developed Call of Duty Vanguard, which launched two weeks ago. The journal says that a lawyer for the former Sledgehammer employee sent an email to Kotick himself, alleging her client had been raped in 2016 and 2017 by her supervisors at the studio. After taking that accusation to Sledgehammer's human resources officers, nothing happened, leading to the email to Kotick and a threat of a lawsuit. Activision, the journal reported, quickly settled the matter out of court, but Kotick did not tell the board of directors about the alleged rapes or the settlement. So, there's more, there's a lot more in there that I could go into, but like I say, um, go give this article a read. Give Polygon the, the click on the article 
and uh, obviously give Owen S. Good the praise, um, as well as, as I mentioned there, the uh, Wall Street Journal reporters, Kristen Gr- Kirsten, sorry, Grind, Ben Fritz, and Sarah E. Needleman for their reporting on this. Um, because this is kind of crazy and groundbreaking and going to shake Activision Blizzard to its very core. But without further ado, let's move on to our next article from Polygon.com, this time written by Nicole Clark and Nicole Carpenter, again today on November 16th, shortly after the previous article broke. So this article reads, Activision Blizzard workers walk out, call for CEO Bobby Kotick's resignation. Employees are protesting at Activision Blizzard's offices and online. Activision Blizzard workers are walking out of work, both virtually, from home, and in person at Blizzard Entertainment's offices, following a new report from the Wall Street Journal. Workers are calling for CEO Bobby Kotick's resignation after the journal reported that Kotick not only knew about employee misconduct, including an alleged rape, but minimized its severity to Activision Blizzard employees and its board of directors. The report also detailed former Blizzard co-leader Jen O'Neill's departure from the company after she reportedly lost faith that the company could turn around its toxic culture. Quote, we've instituted our own zero-tolerance policy, end quote. Activision Blizzard workers tweeted from the ABK Workers Alliance Twitter account on Tuesday. Quote, we will not be silenced until Bobby Kotick has been replaced as CEO and continue to hold our original demand for third-party review by an employee-chosen source. We are staging a walkout today. We welcome you to join us. Company-wide, hundreds of Activision Blizzard employees and contract workers signed out of work at midday Tuesday. More than 150 people showed up to protest the Blizzard at the Blizzard campus in Irvine, California, with dozens more outside Activision Blizzard's Quality Assurance office in Minnesota. In Irvine, a diverse group of workers and supporters gathered by the office's front gate on Blizzard Way, some congregating in tents and on blankets holding signs. Some wore Blizzard gear like shirts emblazoned with a rainbow blizzard. Multiple employees told Polygon they're disappointed and frustrated by the company and the board's response to the journal's report, which the Call of Duty and Overwatch publisher said was, quote, a misleading view of Activision Blizzard and our CEO. Workers are also posting on social media in support of the walkout and to demand Kotick's resignation. Honestly, oh, sorry, quote, honestly, the weight of Bobby's words felt threatening in a lot of ways, end quote. Blizzard employee Valentine Powell told Polygon at the walkout Tuesday, quote, he understands that he's in charge of the livelihoods of so many people who are trying to make our companies better, who are trying to foster the cultures that we want to see. And he's up there saying, if you don't believe in me, then there's something wrong with you. His actions haven't shown what he's proposing, end quote. Jessica Gonzalez, another Blizzard worker, added that the people at Activision Blizzard have had enough of the present situation, quote, workers are just really tired, end quote, she said, quote, we're just tired of being misrepresented, mishandled, mistreated. Something's got to change. You can shift people around as you want, but if accountability isn't coming from the top, it's not going to change, end quote. In an emailed statement, an Activision Blizzard spokesperson told Polygon via the company is, quote, fully committed to fostering a safe, inclusive, and rewarding environment for all our employees around the world, end quote. The spokesperson said workers are free to, quote, express their opinions and concerns in a safe and respectful manner without fear of retaliation, end quote. So here we are again, discussing the problems and uh, awful, awful working conditions at Activision Blizzard. Now, a couple things that these articles talked about is that uh, it seemed like maybe some of these problems were isolated to uh, Blizzard, or at least that's the impression that Activision was giving. I definitely would like to point out the fact that that's obviously ludicrous and there's no possible way that would be the case. Um, But... That's not really the point of these two articles. The point is that things have seemingly finally come around to Bobby Kotick. 
you will recall in the episode when uh, the story about the uh, lawsuit against Activision Blizzard from the state of California, um, when all of that first broke, you may, may recall that I had said, in my opinion, the only way this truly changes is you cut off the head. Um, there's no way that things get this bad without the current leadership at large knowing about it, minimizing it, being aware of it. Um, it, it. I didn't think or it didn't cross my mind that they may be misleading people about it, but certainly they, they must be, right? I guess that kind of comes hand in hand with uh, minimizing it. So uh, all this leads to Bobby Kotick finally getting his due, um, in my humble opinion. I mean, nothing has changed. He has he has got to go. If you want to solve the root of the problem, you have to look at where it starts. And as they say, shit rolls downhill. So naturally, this is a problem at the top. He's got to go. How they recover from this or who they move into these positions, I truly don't know. Um, one thing that I didn't read uh, in these articles, but I'm sure it was probably mentioned in the first article, um, I know it was touched on briefly, is that Jen O'Neill, who had been brought in to head up Activision Blizzard along with another member of Blizzard, potentially formerly of Microsoft, I think it was Mike, Mike Ybarra, um, the two of them have been brought in to head up Blizzard, uh, the Blizzard side of Activision Blizzard, in order to try and change things. And Jen O'Neill departed not long ago because she supposedly uh, made comments to the effect of she didn't think it was going to be possible to right the ship, if you will. That says a lot. Um, and I think that speaks to the fact that if you want things to change, if you truly, truly, truly want things to change, uh, you have got to get rid of the issue at the top. If the shareholders or whoever are making money off of Activision Blizzard were misled, I don't think that they will stand for that. Um, I know it's it's obviously been talked about through all of this stuff that's happening, that the only way any of this really truly changes is if the stock price starts being affected by this. Now, we did see a bit of a dip, um, you know, probably at least partially in result of of these issues, but it wasn't a huge one. It wasn't something that I think would scare most most uh, shareholders away or anything like that. But when you start to hear or find out or read that you've been misled by the one person who reports to you, because that's the fact, is if you are a shareholder, if you are a board member or anything like that, then the president and CEO reports to you. You know, most people think those people are at the very top, but if you're publicly traded, then who are you working for? You are working for the shareholders to make them money. If they now find out that this man has been, um, whatever you want to call it, soiling the water here, um, polluting the water, if you will, I think this could be the straw that breaks the camel's back and Bobby Kotick could soon find himself out of a job. I only hope that it happens quickly. I hope that it happens very publicly. And I hope that we see some real change come from this again i don't know how you recover from this kind of thing i don't know that you can just bring someone in slot them in and be like here's our new leader um because that would be a huge shift and obviously there's there's a ton a ton a ton of politics at play here and there's a ton of people that apparently need to be axed from activision blizzard now again 
This isn't exclusive to the Blizzard side of things. This isn't exclusive to the Activision side of things. This isn't exclusive to Activision Blizzard. Uh, it's long, at least for the last little while, it's been a pretty well-known fact that Ubisoft has suffered a lot of these same problems and seemingly done very little about them, despite, you know, saying that they will and everything. So... I don't want to talk too much on this. I, I realize, obviously, I've already gone over a whole bunch of this. I've already talked more than I than I had planned to. I know in the case of the the last time this happened, um, I think it was there was to an extent there was more more shock with it, um, and a lot of people, you know, myself included, said I'm not going to record an episode at this at this time or anything like this out of respect for for the. Uh, victims and employees and current employees former employees people who are abused and everything like that by people at activision blizzard this time around i almost feel like it's important to still do that because yes this is about the victims but i think this is also about the change in my mind this is what again this is what makes it so that we finally see some real change and bobby kotick gets the boot from Activision Blizzard. Um, and that's why I think it's important to speak about this. I think people need to be as loud as they possibly can about this in order to get Kotick out because he's obviously um, an awful person, flat out a toxic person. Um, he, you know, it, it, it really sucks that it all comes back to the fact that, well, he didn't tell the shareholders, right? And that's why he's going to get fired if he gets fired. I, I'm really hoping he does. But... It, it's really too bad that it, that's what it comes down to because ultimately that's not what it's about. It's about the fact that he did nothing about allegations of rape and and tons of of, of cover-ups and things like that. That's what it's about. It, it, it's really about the fact that he covered these things up. You know, supposedly they settled out of court with these people who, who came forward with allegations of rape and things like that when really it's the fact that what's really going to bite him in the ass is he didn't tell the shareholders about it. But if it all results ultimately in this man losing his job and hopefully never working again, then good. That's that's the best outcome, or that's one of the the significantly one significant outcome that we could see from this. Hopefully, we see some other significant change at Activision Blizzard as an employer as a whole. But uh, let's start at the top. You know, let's see Activision or let's see Bobby Kotick finally get the axe. Now that was obviously a bit of a heavy story. So as I move on, we're going to switch back over to Overwatch League talk. We're going to go over to Liz Richardson's uh, Owl Trade Tracker and talk a little bit about some of the moves that have been going on in the Overwatch League. Um, that was a very heavy topic. So if you ultimately, if you are listening to this, first of all, thank you very much um, for listening to me ramble about Bobby Kotick being a dickbag. Um, but if, uh, if you decide to bounce at this point, I totally understand um, because that's that's a heavy topic and not something that we want to be talking about. Obviously, we want to be celebrating the great things of about Overwatch and about games as a whole because that's why we're here, because we love games and we love gaming and we love Overwatch and we love the Overwatch League. But ultimately, these other things are important to talk about. And as I mentioned before, I think we need to be as loud as we can be about uh, this particular issue. So I'm going to end it there. If you bounce, again, thank you very much for listening. If you'd like to continue, we're now going to jump on over to the Overwatch League 2021 off-season trade tracker by Liz Richardson over on DottieSports.com. Just a little longer! Keep up our defense! All right, so uh, the last time we found ourselves here, 
I believe we had finished off the month of November. No, sorry, sorry, not the month of November. The month of October. And we had, uh, we only had maybe a tiny bit of news in November. So I'm actually going to start with November 1st. And we will continue on through to, looks like November 11th was the last uh, sort of major announcement we had. Um, although I will double check before the end of the show, just to make sure I'm capturing as many things as possible. All right, so first things first, on November 1st, we saw the Florida Mayhem sign DPS Hydron. Um, I don't have too much to say about that because I don't really know Hydron, uh, but I do really like what the Florida Mayhem are going for here with a very, very mixed roster, potentially more mixed than we've ever seen before with. We've got some North American contenders. We've got some, uh, um, um, I forget, uh, Middle Eastern, Saudi Arabian contenders. We've got some Korean, uh, actually, I'm not sure if they've announced any Korean contenders players. Anyways, I digress. We've got a very, very mixed roster. Um, Albert Yeh, GM for the uh, Florida Mayhem, tweeted something to the extent of, uh, welcome to the uh, Florida United Nations, which in brackets spells fun. And I'm a big fan of that. And I'm a big fan of the Florida Mayhem as an organization, as a whole. Uh, so I, I hope what they're building works out for them. Um, and I'm digging my two sweaters that I ordered from a, a flash sale they had a couple weeks back. So I digress. That's Florida for you. November 2nd, London Spitfire sign DPS Backbone. We then on November 3rd, the London Spitfire re-sign Tank Hottie. Bit of an interesting one there, of course, given uh, I don't think many people would have said that Hottie was a shining star for them this past season. However, again, we do deal with things like uh, um, things like Ping with when it comes to London and Paris as well, coming into play a little bit more than they do with some of the other teams, obviously given the geographical location of London. I believe London has actually announced that they're going to be playing from LA this next season, uh, which does of course mean they'll be dealing with that significantly less. They'll be on the same servers in North America as any other North American team. Um, I could be totally wrong there, but I'm pretty sure I read that somewhere. Um, so anyways, they're obviously doing some things to combat that. But bringing Hadi back in was a bit of a surprise because, again, I don't think he was a superstar. But at the same time, uh, their roster of this past season was entirely built from the um, um, European Contenders team, British Hurricane. So certainly that's a big jump for them to come into the Overwatch League. Hadi now has a little bit of experience. And of course, we're also getting some more veteran players, uh, at least one of which we'll talk about shortly here. Um, so hopefully we'll see a little bit of improvement from him there. And certainly I do think, I do think we saw London, uh, sort of on that upward trend towards the end of the season, although they didn't necessarily win. Um, I mean, they only won one game all season, but it definitely felt like they improved on some of their, their shortcomings towards the end, uh, towards the end of last season there. So there's Hadi returning. To the London Spitfire. Now, November 4th, we finally get a few things on one single day. So, first things first, the London Spitfire sign off tank Poco, Florida Mayhem add Flex DPS Mirror, Dallas Fuel add Rascal as assistant coach, Seoul Dynasty update its coaching staff, adding Toby as head coach, Wizard Hyong as head of strategy and data, and retaining assistant coach MMA and analyst Bongwori. So first things first, let's uh, oh, let's jump on over to talk about 
Poco. So we're going to jump on over to .esports.com's article by Jessica Sharnagle. Sorry, sorry, Jessica. I always do that. On November 4th, Poco signs with London Spitfire after long stint with Fusion. There are a few Overwatch League players who have been with just one team for several years, but Poco, who played on the Philadelphia Fusion since the league's first season, was one of them until this offseason. Now he'll be playing for the London Spitfire, the organization announced today. Poco, best known for his diva plays that fans call Poco Bombs, is an off-tank. Off-tank is a tough role for players looking to survive for the 2022 season, which is set to be played on an early build of Overwatch 2. Many fans speculated that Poco might retire after four years in the league, but it turns out he isn't done yet, and he's an experienced addition to the Spitfire, who recently cleared house for the third year in a row this off-season. For Philly fans, it'll be weird seeing Poco in anything other than a Fusion jersey, since he was with the team for all four years of his career so far. He was often a fan favorite for his outgoing and zany personality, and even created many memes after facing a different direction while taking team photos. While the Spitfire hasn't said its plans on cultivating EU talent, and that it might take some sorry, has said it plans on cultivating EU talent, and it might take some time for the team to become good, the org's intentions are now unclear based on its actions in the offseason so far. The franchise released almost its entire team, leaving only Sparker and Shax. Since then, London has signed Backbone and Hadi. Although Hadi played for Spitfire briefly in 2020 and can provide some leadership for those upcoming for those coming up from contenders, Poco will be the most experienced player on the team and will give London a good shot at winning in the 2022 season. So there you go. That's uh, that's the details about Poco. Um, definitely an interesting one because as uh, as Jessica mentioned in her article there. Um, probably if he hadn't signed with London looking like someone who was going into retirement um so good for him for you know securing the bag with London I'm sure he's not making top dollar with them but ultimately he's staying in the league he probably moves a little closer to home than uh than living in Philly or living uh, I guess LA for for most of the North Americans uh North American teams and uh Korea of course where Philly was this past season um so anyways uh definitely a personality around the league and uh one person that i think will be exciting to see come back for another season we then have the florida mayhem of course as i mentioned uh signing mirror so now we're going to read an article by liz richardson on november 4th the florida mayhem has been hard at work filling out its roster after dropping most of its players earlier this offseason and the team isn't done yet Flex DPS Mirror, formerly of the Los Angeles Gladiators, will be joining the Mayhem for the 2022 off Overwatch League season, the team announced today. Mirror was a part of the Gladiators roster for two years and, in his time on the team, proved that he's one of the most flexible players in the league. He was the first player to play all three roles in a single series, swapping from DPS to support to tank during a 2020 match. During his time on Gladiators, he often tanked, tagged in on tank and support as well as his DPS specialties. He'll join fellow Flex DPS Checkmate and Contenders Standout Hydron on the Mayhem's Damage Dealer lineup. Mirror's, additions me Mirror's addition means the DPS line is complete for the 2020 season, according to a tweet for, from Florida's VP of Esports Operations, Albert Yeah. So I apologize, I said he was GM. To me, Florida's VP of Esports Operations sounds a lot like GM. Florida recently added Gunba as head coach and picked up former player McGravy as an assistant coach. Though the team said goodbye to DPS standout Yaki last week, the Mayhem's new additions show a renewed interest in building a flexible mixed language roster. So there you go. Exciting announcement about Mir, uh, especially for those who were fans of him on the Gladiators. Good to see him staying in the league and coming back. Mir, definitely a strong player um, who I think uh, on the Los Angeles Gladiators of this past season... Um, kind of took a bit of a backseat given they had the amazing DPS player Kevster on their team um, as well as Birdring of course 
So I think Mirror will actually add a lot to the Florida Mayhem, given his flexibility and the fact that he actually can play a lot of those players, uh, sorry, characters, heroes, whatever you want to call them, that, um, that maybe Kevster or Birdring were primarily playing. So I think Mirror is going to be a really solid pickup for them. Moving on from there, we're going to look at the Dallas Fuel, adding Rascal as assistant coach. Another article by Liz Richardson on November 4th. Many Overwatch League players said goodbye to the fast-paced life of competition after the 2021 season concluded, but others have decided to chase that high in a different role. The Dallas Fuel announced today that Rascal, a former player for the Fuel and multiple other Overwatch League franchises, will join the franchise's coaching staff for the 2022 season. By joining Dallas once again, Rascal is wrapping up a final arc in his redemption story. Rascal's journey in the Overwatch League began on the London Spitfire during the inaugural season, but he was transferred to the Dallas Fuel almost immediately. Though he performed well on Fuel, he was ousted from the roster due to, quote, an unwillingness to communicate with the team, according to Dallas owner Hastro. The incident marred Rascal's career for a short time, and he dropped down to the Overwatch contender's circuit on NRG Esports. His performance led him to be bumped up to the San Francisco Shock roster, where he was a key part of the team's back-to-back -back championships in 2019 and 2020. Rascal then joined the Philadelphia Fusion for the 2021 season to help the team while they dealt with the myriad of visa issues. Rascal officially retired from professional Overwatch play in October and expressed his desire to become a coach. He'll join head coach Rush and assistant coach Aide, holdovers from the Fuel's successful 2021 season on the coaching staff. Quote, I'm very excited to work with and learn from Rush, Rascal said in a Fuel press release. As one of the greatest minds in, the Overwatch, in Overwatch, I think that working with him and the Fuel is a great opportunity to grow and continue my career. So obviously, congratulations to Rascal. Rascal, many people touted as sort of one of the best in the league, and it was very sad to see him retire. But nice to see that he'll uh, be sticking around the scene. And of course, that he's, uh, you know, joining the Dallas Fuel uh, organization, where who obviously had quite the successful 2021 season, especially in comparison to their past seasons prior to that. And finally, of course, we have the soul changes. Again, another article by Liz Richardson. Soul Dynasty adds Toby Wizard Young to 2022 coaching staff. Soul Dynasty has been making big moves this Overwatch during the Overwatch League offseason, stocking up on veteran players with a proven record of excellence. The team's coaching staff for next season will apparently also meet those requirements. Soul announced its 2022 coaching staff today, and it includes some familiar faces. Most notably, former longtime Dynasty player Toby will be the team's head coach next season. Toby played for Seoul during the first three years of the Overwatch League and stepped in as the Philadelphia Fusion's main support in 2021. Former Washington Justice head coach Wizard Hyung will be the Dynasty's head of strategy and data in 2022. He spent time on Seoul in 2020 as a strategic coach after leaving the Justice and will be returning in a similar role next season. Assistant coach MMA and analyst Bongwari have been retained by the team and will continue their roles on the Dynasty. Both have been a part of the team since 2019. Looking toward 2022, Seoul has focused on valuable veterans like DPS players Profit and Fitz, while adding firepower in the form of flex support and 2018 MVP Jonak. Rookies like DPS Stalker and support Vin Vindame will also be expected to rise to the level of the talents around them next year. So there you have it. Um, mostly exciting news again for Toby. Obviously, if you follow the scene, then you may know some of the other names that were mentioned there. Uh, Wizard Hyung, MMA, um, and Bong Wari. I'm honestly not too familiar with them. However, the one name that I am familiar with on that article is Toby, of course. Uh, Toby being a significant soul player um, and uh, probably one of the best uh, support players out there. Um, so exciting to see 
him returning. And of course, congratulations to everyone else on the team there. Now we can finally move on to November 5th when the San Francisco Shock sign, DPS S9MM, which I believe is pronounced SAM, London Spitfire sign flex support provide. Now, I honestly don't have too, too much to talk about uh, about them just because, again, these are some contenders players that I'm not too familiar with. Um, they've got articles about them here on dottysports.com, mostly, or, or at least uh, the one about Sam written by Liz Richardson. So go give it a quick read and you'll get some of the history of Sam. Um, but regardless, uh, should be an exciting pickup for the San Francisco Shock. And San Francisco shaping up to be quite dangerous this season, this upcoming season. Now let's move on to November 8th, where Linkser retires from professional Overwatch. And this time, we'll jump over to an article by Sam O'Dwyer on .esports.com, which reads, Linkser retires from professional Overwatch play. Overwatch lost another veteran of its esports scene today. Linkser is retiring from competing at all levels of the game. The Finnish hitscan maestro did, however, mention that he would be interested in an analyst or coaching position if that was to present itself to him before the launch of Overwatch 2, which he says doesn't really interest him in his twit longer post about his retirement. Linkser says he will be moving on to pursue a pro career in Valorant, a game that has seen multiple former Overwatch players find success. Known to be very flexible and intelligent player, especially in his early career on heroes like Mei and Genji, Linkser should have no trouble adapting his talents for head-clicking into another game. Linkser wrote that he, quote, really appreciated his time as an Overwatch pro, thought it was a shame that he, quote, didn't really achieve his goals fully. The emotional farewell posts post goes on to end with, quote, I'm really happy that I got to experience this game with y'all. Across his six-year career in the Overwatch scene, Linkser played for nine different teams and represented his nation in each of the three major World Cup tournaments. Perhaps his most notable stint on a team was with the all-Finnish team Giganti, Giganti, a locally sponsored team that featured other future OWL players like Fraggy, Zupa, and won European Contenders 2017 sorry, as underdogs against Misfits. Linkser's most recent team, the Vancouver Titans, are undergoing a major roster overhaul this offseason. The team currently has no players under contract with no hint as to how they will rebuild for the 2021 season. So, obviously, sad to see Linkser go, um, as they talk about in the article there. One of the greats, one of the vets from the league, but certainly uh, not something we haven't seen happening this season already, uh, with a lot of the veterans stepping away from the game. And of course, we've got a soft spot for him on the show, as you know, part-time Vancouver Titans fans. So there you have it. Moving on from there, November 9th, the Florida Mayhem pick up off-tank Adam and the Houston Outlaws sign flex support Lastro. So let's jump on over to an article on November 9th by Liz Richardson. Florida Mayhem picks up Adam for 2022 season. In 2022, the Overwatch League will be full of players and staffers looking for a second chance on new teams with new opportunities. The Florida Mayhem has also apparently committed to that idea. Australian off-tank Adam Soong will be playing for the Mayhem in 2022 this season announced today. He's the first tank the team has signed for the league's fifth season, which is set to kick off in April. One of the most well-known tanks in the Overwatch Contenders Australia scene, Adam has played for teams like Order and Ground Zero Gaming and has long been considered an Overwatch League-level tank. In late 2020, Adam was picked up by the Los Angeles Valiant. Months after his acquisition, the Valiant gutted its staff and moved to China for the 2021 season, dropping all of its players. While many former Valiant players found homes this year, Adam wasn't one of them. Over the last year, he spent time on teams like Dark Mode and Uprising Academy in the North American Contenders circuit, but now he's finally made his way back into the league as a part of the mayhem. 
Florida is building out a global roster for 2022 that includes players from lesser represented countries like Saudi Arabia with flex support Sir Mahed and Vietnam by way of DPS Mirror. While the team is quickly building up, it's still in search of an additional tank player and main support. So there you have it. Wanted to show off that uh, story there simply because it highlights uh, the tragic story for Adam where he was he should have been in the league this past season um, but was obviously dropped with the Los Angeles Valiants move to uh, China. So there you go. The other article from November 9th, also written by Liz Richardson, is about the Houston Outlaws signing flex support, Lastro. After building up its DPS line over the offseason, the Houston Outlaws are finally calling in for more support sorry flex support lastro will be joining the outlaws for the 2022 overwatch league season the team announced today he was previously a free agent within the league's pool of players lastro began his overwatch league career on the los angeles valiant where he and the team's rookie heavy roster made a big impression in 2020 while there were a few meme related missteps along the way lastro was one of the more successful flex supports in the league that year after the Los Angeles Valiant gutted its roster in early 2021 while moving to China, Lastro was picked up by the Toronto Defiant. He was a perpetual starter for the team, but the roster as a, as a whole failed to measure up to the organization's expectations, and nearly all of its players were dropped after the 2021 season. Lastro will, Lastro will join fellow flex support Iris, formerly of the Atlanta Reign, in the Outlaws support line. Houston retained DPS Dante and Tank Piggy for 2022 and added 2021 Rookie of the Year Pelican to the lineup. The team still likely needs a second tank and an extra support to fully fill out its roster for next year. So there you go. Uh, another exciting one for Houston there. Houston's roster shaping up to be pretty interesting with, uh, as the article mentions there, Iris, Dante, and Piggy, um, alongside, of course, Rookie of the Year Pelican. And Rastro, Lastro, sorry, certainly no schlub uh, stepping into the Houston Outlaws. And of course, we've got a spot, soft spot for Lastro as well, coming from the Toronto Defiant this past season. Moving on from there, we're going to jump over to November 11th, where the Washington Justice signed main support opener. And, of course, I do have an article here by Liz Richardson, um, but I'm actually, in the interest of time, I'm not going to read that one. Go ahead and check that out. It was posted on November 11th by Liz Richardson, and it reads, Washington Justice signs main support opener as the title there. So, of course, we now know um, what a lot more of the Washington Justice are looking like. They've got DPS uh, Decay and Assassin. Uh, they've also got Hitscan Happy, of course, coming from the Houston Outlaws, and then Fury and Mag uh, stepping in on the tank line. Um, oh, and of course, uh, Vigilante and Krillin um, on the uh, support roles for Washington. So Washington's roster, um, you know, all but complete at this point. Um, so an interesting one there. Um, I, ultimately, Washington, I know I've talked before, I'm not a Washington fan. If there's two teams I, I haven't in the past been much of a supporter or fan of, they are Washington and Atlanta. At this point, I think Atlanta is looking pretty good, and I did learn to sort of learn to love Atlanta over this past season as their kind of underdog story uh, uh, swept the nation, if you will. Um, but Washington, just not a team I have ever been a huge fan or supporter of. So anyways, that's what we have for Washington. Now, the only other uh, signings or anything like that that I'm aware of actually came out today, and I don't see on Liz Richardson's article here. So I may repeat these next uh, next episode, so not next week, but the week after. That would be November 30th, posting on December 1st, actually. Holy cow. Um, 
And it, of course, is talking about the Hangzhou Spark, who announced a whole bunch of signings to their coaching staff this week. So I'm just going to take a quick peek here at their Twitter. They announced Miro coming in as assistant coach. They announced NU coming in as supervisor. I'm not sure what that role is. Uh, Gandalf coming in as team manager. Changdon, Changun, sorry, coming in as head coach. Uh, Zhao Gui as assistant coach. Oh, and then there's Miro as assistant coach again. So there you have it. Um, lots of announcements about the Hangzhou Spark. I ultimately, I wanted to bring these up because I love their graphics. I would love to work for this team. They got they got some sick branding going on here. Um, ultimately, I don't have too much to say about Hangzhou and this is their coaching staff. So hopefully they know what they're doing and they can make some significant changes for the Hangzhou Spark. Because although Hangzhou had... Uh, had a decent season this past year. Uh, I don't think they lived up to the expectations that people had for their roster. So ultimately, cross your fingers uh, if you're a Hangzhou, Hangzhou fan, sorry, that these latest signings and announcements will work out for them. Now, with all of that said, that's going to bring us to the end of things. That's going to bring us to the end of the show. So let's wrap things up. I foresee great things for you. All right. Well, if you made it this far, if you stuck around with us to the end of the episode, I want to say thank you, of course, for listening to episode 60 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch podcast. Now, at this point, you, of course, know this is an Overwatch podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch, but maybe your friends don't know that. Maybe your family doesn't know that. Maybe you've got someone out there who you play Overwatch with regularly and they would just love to consume some more Overwatch content. If you do find yourself in that situation, then share this podcast with them um, because I would love to have some more supporters and I would love to engage with you. So reach out to me on Twitter at SirDrJM. That's at SirDrJM. And I will, of course, bring your topics to the show, bring your questions to the show, bring your comments, concerns, whatever you have uh, for me to discuss onto the show. And I can talk at you because, of course, this will be a very one-sided conversation because you won't be there. But then you can let me know your thoughts afterwards. You can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, all that jazz. If you find a podcast service that you use that you cannot find One Man Watchpoint on, uh, shoot me a message on Twitter, shoot me a DM, and I will definitely look into it and try to get that fixed up so you can listen to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. If you are dying for more content, provided by myself, Sir Dr. JM Jordan, at Sir DRJM on Twitter, then check out the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast. Of course, your premier source for everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant, also available on podcast services everywhere. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you made it this far, bravo. Give yourself a pat on the back because this was, of course, a heavy episode with some of the topics we talked about, some of the latest news that has broke. And I will once again say that this is a time where we need to be loud and we need to shout from the rooftops that Bobby Kotick needs to lose his job. So on that note, I will leave you and say, see you in two weeks.